So yeah, good morning. It's great to be up here again. Um, and so we started off the year with a series, um, Unshakable Kingdom. Catherine, if you were here last week, finished that for us. If you've missed any of the four weeks as part of that series, then I really would encourage you to catch up online. It's a fantastic series and um, a great start to the coming year here. Um, so this morning, as Jim said, I'm going to be talking about courageous hope. This is a phrase that really jumped out to me. Um, I'm doing a master's degree part-time, and um, during one of my lectures last term, this phrase just really stood out. Um, and it, it's one of those phrases that both excited me, but it also challenged me. And I pretty much straight away went to Jim and said, I think this is what I want to speak about when I do my next um, talk in the um, spring term. So it's kind of something that's been brewing in me and growing and developing. Um, and here we are. Um, so that's what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. So hope. Hope through the world's eyes is expecting that something is going to happen, but not being entirely sure that it will. So it's kind of a bit more like a wish because it's based on doubt and uncertainty. The dictionary defines hope as to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true. So we don't have to look far um, to see that there isn't much hope today in our rapidly changing world. It's not surprising when we look at some of the things that are happening that there is so much fear, anxiety, worry and despair. We only have to look this week, don't we, at what we've heard on the news and seen on our TVs um, and computer screens of the devastation in Turkey and Syria. And the, um, the death toll I saw this morning has now reached 28,000 deaths. And it can seem so far away, can't it? But I was walking to Parkrun yesterday morning um, along Lee Seafront, and um, those who know me well will know I randomly end up talking to whoever I happen to be next to. And I was walking next to this gentleman um, who just started sharing about the fact that he was involved with the Turkish restaurant in Leon Solent and how that family have been directly impacted. They've got a family member who was earlier in the week living in an apartment and is now living in a football stadium. So just that reality check for me, really, of just what we see on our TVs, but actually even a situation so many miles away can affect people so near to us at home as well. So bring it a bit back closer to home again. Um, back in the summer of 21, we were just coming out of the COVID pandemic, weren't we? And research showed that in the UK, hope for the future was rising. However, the same research was carried out a year later in the summer of 22, and it showed that hope had fallen by 30% in just a year. And the reasons given for that were concerns for human safety and security, which was fueled by the um, outbreak of war in Ukraine, but also um, the beginnings of the cost of living crisis. And the research went a little bit deeper, and it identified the top three concerns when people were looking forward to the year that we're now in. All of these concerns were over 60% of people had these concerns, but they were the cost of energy bills, the availability of energy, and war. And I'm sure, like me, as you're out and about, maybe within your families, your workplaces, your schools, wherever you are, you are going to rub shoulders with people who are just feeling hopeless for many, many reasons. I see it with friends and family. 
those of us who are part of the hub team, just in the space of one morning, we, we see so much hopelessness. That may be due to the rising costs of um, food and energy, having to make really tough decisions on how to spend limited income. People fear, fearful for their health. People about to be made homeless and our Ukrainian um, refugees who've had to flee their country and are living here separated from their friends and family. So that's kind of hope from the world's perspective. But hope in the Bible is so different. The way the Bible uses the word hope is so different from the way that we use the word hope today. Biblical hope represents the possibility of a positive outcome. It's definitely not wishful thinking. It's a confident expectation that a desired outcome is going to happen. One of the things I'm really enjoying as, enjoying as part of my studies is sort of like the theology side and the, the Greek side and getting to the roots of things. So here's my Greek word for, for my talk today. So the word hope in the New Testament is from the Greek word elpis, which means expectation, trust, and confidence. It comes from the root word elpo, which means to anticipate and to welcome. How different to how we use that word today. So elpis implies that something is going to happen and it can be anticipated with confidence. The word elpis appears over 50 times in the New Testament. And I would challenge you, when you read the word hope in the New Testament, try replacing that with confident expectation. So find a verse that's got hope in it, and instead of hope, read confident expectation. It's really interesting to do that. So elpitha was the very first Greek word that I ever learnt. Those of you who have been around for a while will know that we had a mission partner out in Greece that we partnered with for a number of years, and they were called Elpitha Hope. Elpitha meaning hope. And I had the privilege of going out to Greece and just sharing hope amongst the Greeks, but also amongst refugees out there. Um, and um, Elpitha Hope is kind of a really special organization to me because it was a, played a significant part in my journey over the last three years. So, biblical hope is a beacon of light in the darkness, accompanied by joy and peace. But it's also connected to Jesus, our living hope. So our reading this morning comes from 1 Peter 1, 3 to 7. So if you want to grab your Bibles, I think it's going to be um, up on the screen. But in this powerful letter, the Apostle Peter is reminding his readers of the future hope that they have in Jesus. So Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
So Peter was writing, when he was writing that, he was speaking to the early Christians in Asia Minor who were suffering great persecution. And he was writing to encourage them in their troubles. He was reminding them that their future was secure because of Jesus' resurrection, that their hope was in Jesus' victory over death and his resurrection life. He was reminding them that whatever they were going through, whatever they were going to face in the world, couldn't compare to the blessings of the future resurrection and the life that is to come in eternity. And um, in that passage, Peter talks about living hope. Jesus, our living hope. Living hope is firm and secure. It's like an anchor for our soul. And we have that living hope because of Jesus. Jesus, our saviour, our salvation. And he is the fulfilment of everything that we wait for in this life. Jesus' resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. And without that, we have no hope. No hope for today, no hope for the next life. And because Jesus is risen, we can confidently expect to rise with him on the last day if we love, know, and believe in him. I'm just going to look at three symptoms of hope very, very briefly, and then think about the difference that having a courageous hope makes to our lives for ourselves, but also how that courageous hope can come from us to others. So three symptoms of hope. Firstly, hope points forwards. In Romans, we read, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So biblical hope takes its foundation from faith. And faith and hope, uh, they're sort of complementary words. Faith being grounded in the reality of the past and hope looking to the reality of the future. Without faith, there's no hope. And without hope, there's no true faith. Hope looks expectantly forwards to the future based on our faith in God in the present and in his faithfulness in the past. When I was chatting to Jim about this earlier in the week, we were sort of thinking about how hope is also, you can't have hope without that trust, can you? You need that trust in God. We can't see what we're waiting for, nor do we know when it's going to come, and that requires trust. And it's through our trust in God that we are confident that it will come and we can wait patiently for it. So the second symptom of hope is that hope brings strength. There's that well-known verse in Isaiah, isn't there, that says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We all face challenges in life. Whether we like it or not, they're going to come. And life's challenges develop endurance, and they teach us to trust God despite the circumstances, to despite what we're going through. And it may not seem like it at the time, but endurance through those trials, through those challenges, is what builds our character and enables us to see beyond what we're going through at the time. It enables us to look to God, to hold on to that promise 
of um, hope coming out of those trials. And like everybody, as Christians, we need hope just as much as everybody else. And that hope that we have motivates us to move forward through life. And it's that hope that enables, to navigate, enables us to navigate those turbulent waters without falling into despair. And it means we can have joy and peace despite the circumstances because we know that God works for the good for those who trust him. Desmond Tutu has a saying which I love and he describes hope as being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. And it's because of that that we can have joy. We can know that there is a better future guaranteed. And then the, the final symptom of hope, um, which is kind of what um, links to the, um, the theme of the courageous hope, is that hope makes us bold. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And the good news is, we can be bold because our hope is in Jesus. Our hope isn't in the government. Our hope isn't in the NHS. Our hope isn't in our spiritual leaders. Our hope is in the one who spoke all things into being. In the, in the one who is all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, and is in control. That gives us hope, doesn't it, when we look at our world around us. And it's this hope that we have in Jesus that enables us to be bold in how we speak and how we live. It should make us bold in our witness, courageous in our pursuit of holiness, and open in our conversations. And Paul says, it's only because of that hope that we not only can, but we must be very bold. So what difference can courageous hope make in our everyday lives? And I'm going to think firstly about for ourselves, but then also for others. So courageous hope in us. I can't talk about hope and not mention um, or not refer to the verse from Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is probably the most quoted verse in times of despair. But it is such a powerful verse, and it has a real precious promise in it from God for each one of us. Jeremiah was declaring God's purpose and plans for the people of Israel who were in captivity, working as slaves in Babylon. He was declaring to them that God's way was the only way for them for a hopeful, hopeful future. That verse reminds us that hope is, is there for us through all the twists, the turns, the bumps, the mess, the brokenness that we are going to find as we go through our lives. It reminds us that that hope is permanent and the things that we're going through are only temporary. It tells us to hold on because better days are coming, that those better days are God's ways, those better days are God's plans. And it is because of that hope that we can know that we are safe in God's hands. 
Holding on to hope in difficult times is easier said than done, isn't it? And I know there are some of us in this room and watching online that are going through really tough times um, at the moment. And it can be much easier said than done to say that we are holding on to hope. As many of you will know, this year hasn't started as I would have expected it to. Um, and um, it's, it's incredibly tough at the moment. And there have been many days, there are many days, when I, I haven't got a lot of hope at all. And I need friends to come alongside me, to speak that hope over me, to speak that hope into me, and to remind me that despite what is going on, I have hope in Jesus. There are some days now where there are glimmers of hope. Um, and I'm needing to be courageous, as I know many of you are, in holding on to that hope that God's plans for us are good. God's plans will bring us a better future and that we have that hope because of Jesus. So how can we grow hope in us, whether it's when we're going through the tough times or when we're in a good time, um, so that we're kind of, um, Jim used the word, fat on hope, um, so that we're fat on hope um, for when we need it. And we can do that by lifting our eyes in praise and worship. Wasn't it good this morning just to focus on those real words of truth of Jesus and what he's done and the difference that he makes? So by lifting our eyes in praise and worship, by spending time with hope-filled people, by hearing and reading God's word, and just letting God really speak into our lives, by letting God fill us with his Holy Spirit, and allowing just God in us to change our thoughts, our minds, our words, and our actions. So, are you growing in hope at the moment? How are you doing that? Are you doing it because you need it for what you're going through at the moment? Or are you growing in hope so that you can share that hope with others as they go through tough times? Because hope can flow from us as well. It's not just in us. Courageous hope flows from us. And this is the, the part of the phrase when I was doing it in my lecture that really both challenged and excited me. So our world, as we've said, is becoming an increasingly scary and complicated place to live. Hope is a commodity that is in serious short supply. People can't survive long without hope. Hope as we know, keeps us going through the painful experiences and the fear of what the future may hold. And we have a hope. We have the living hope with us. And that hope is what the world desperately needs us, needs at the moment. It's what our friends, our families, our work colleagues, people we don't even know, that random guy I met walking along, sea, along Lee Seafront yesterday, that hope that we have in us is what the people who don't know Jesus, the hope that they need. That hope is the lifeline that our world desperately needs. And many people are searching for hope and not finding it. So as we let courageous hope flow from us, we can then make a difference to people's lives. And God is calling us to join him in his mission to re-educate and rebuild his, wor his world, to be a tool in God's hands by partnering with him 
to as we've been thinking about in the Unshakable Kingdom series, to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I've been going to the Global Leadership Summit conferences for a number of years, um, even before I came here. And the first one I ever attended was about 15 years ago, um, down in Poole. And Bill Hybels um, made a say, said something that I've heard repeated a number of times, but it's only been in the last few years that I've really understood what he meant. And he said, the church faithfully living and teaching the truth of Jesus is the hope of the world. And as Christians, we know that the church is the hope of the world. But for probably most non-believers out there in the world today, the people that we're going to encounter every day, to persuade them that the church is the hope that they need is going to take quite a lot of doing. We know that um, when we talk about the church being the hope of the world, it's not about the building, it's not about the institution, it's not even necessarily about the programs, although the programs do have a place. But what it actually is, is God's people, because we, we know that we are the church, don't we? We know the church is not a building. We know that we are the church. And it's when we are actively and faithfully living and teaching Jesus in our everyday lives, in the however many hours it is in the week that we're out there in the world, that is when we are being the hope that the world needs. And we can do that because of the good news of Jesus. Because we, we know the good news of Jesus for ourselves. We know the hope of Jesus in our lives. And it's that hope, what people see in us, what people hear from us, that is going to compel the world and draw them to Jesus. In the COVID pandemic, we've um, seen um, quite, well, um, what word do I want? Spectacularly, really, just how quickly things can be caught and spread. And it's the same with hope. We have this hope in us. And it's that hope that we have that can be caught and spread. Every day, we spread something. We might be spreading fear and anxiety, or we might be spreading love, hope, and peace. People see what we're carrying and they will catch it. So is what I, is what you are carrying worth catching and spreading? What do people hear us talking about? Is it fear and despair or hope and peace? Does our walk match our talk? Do people see us living out what we're saying or are we saying one thing and then living out something different? And does what we say and how we live in the good times match the things that we say and how we live in the bad times? Will people remember us as Paul remembered the Thessalonians for being faithful in our work, loving in our deeds, and enduring in hope? A bit further on from our reading in um, first, Peter's first letter, Peter writes, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I kind of, it's a verse we know, isn't it? But I hadn't really, I, um, really taken that on board until recently. And um, I guess I would have said I'm kind of more on the avoiding 
um, I wouldn't be confident in giving an answer for the hope that I have. But in the last few weeks, um, I have had more opportunities to do this um, than I have ever had. And I've got a friend that um, I run regularly with, um, and um, she's, she's been aware um, of what's been going on. And um, we went out for breakfast um, probably about a month ago, and um, we were sat after parkrun down um, at Leon Solon, and she just looked at me and she said, Claire, she said, it seems like your, your faith is, hasn't changed. How can you still believe in a God who loves you? when all of this is happening to you. So I took a deep breath and I thought, okay, I've got two choices here. I can either dodge it or I can go for it and tell her um, how um, it's actually my faith in God that is keeping me going, that it is because of my faith in God, God I have got a hope for the future. And I've known this friend for probably a couple of years now and this is the first opportunity I've had to actually be able to really talk about my faith rather than just, oh yeah, I go to church, I work for the church, have that kind of thing. Um, and um, I came back, I think I said to Jim and Andy, I was actually buzzing when I came back, having had that opportunity for the first time to really give an answer, give a reason for the hope that I have. Um, obviously been chatting with that friend over the last few weeks and yesterday as we left Parkrun, um, and she said to me, oh, what are you doing this weekend? So I said, oh, I'm speaking on Sunday. And she said, what are you speaking on then? So I thought, oh, here we go. Deep breath. I said, oh, I'm talking on courageous hope. And I really should learn to just go for it. And she said, well, what's that then? So I was stood on um, Lee Seafront again and just was able to tell her about a little bit more about that hope that I have in Jesus and that um, we can be bold in doing that. Um, the Bible today, I've said about church, people sort of don't see the relevance of it as the hope. The Bible, I've said this before, but increasingly in today's culture, we are the only Bible that some people will ever read. So are we, through the things we say and the things we do, content, continuing to tell God's story through the way we live our lives do we speak the truths and the promises? Do we live out the truths and the promises that are in the Bible that was written all those years ago? Are we continuing to tell that story? Are we sharing the good news and dealing in hope that points the way forward, that brings strength, joy, and peace, and makes us bold? Or are people seeing something different in what we're saying to how we're living. My friend had seen um, in me, she wasn't, how she was seeing me, how I was being, isn't what she was expecting. And that's what prompted her to ask that, a quest that question a few weeks ago. Chris Brockway is somebody who comes and um, speaks to us here um, occasionally. In one of his recent talks, he used the phrase, dealers in hope. So my question this morning is, what are you dealing in? Are you consistently dealing in the hope that you have because of Jesus, whatever your circumstances? Are you courageous enough to ask God for opportunities to deal in hope this week through your words and actions? If so, 
Are you courageous enough to ask God who, specifically this week, he wants you to deal in hope with? Or maybe, actually, this morning, what you really need is a real fresh infilling of that hope for you. You're in such a situation where, at the moment, the thought of just sharing the hope for others, it's just a step too far, and you just need somebody to just um, come alongside you, and just as I've needed, I am needing to speak that hope over and in you. I'm going to pray, and then then we're going to worship. So, just... Lots of words there, lots of questions, lots of challenges. Let's just um, just spend a moment, just ourselves with God, and just allow him to speak to each one of us before I pray, and then we move into um, worship. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our living hope. Thank you that our hope in you is certain and it's because of you that we can look forward with confidence and expectation whatever is going on in our lives and in the world. In my times of uncertainty and despair, help me to trust in your plan for my life and to have faith that you will work everything out for my good. Give me the strength and courage to face each day with hope, knowing that you will carry me through, that a better time will come. Father, as we rub shoulders with people who feel helpless, help us, help me to be courageous in giving an answer for the hope I have in you. Give me opportunities to deal in hope in the places that I go and with the people I meet who desperately need to know their hope can only be found in you. Show me this week who you want me to deal in hope with. Thank you that you are enough. Thank you that you are all we need and that your hope will never fail. Amen.